every parent of a small child has heard this. Daddy. Daddy, daddy. Daddy, 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 daddy. <laughs> mommy, mommy. Mommy, 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 mommy. Kids want attention. Daddy, watch this. Mommy, did you see what I did? Children want to help. And when they do, and when a parent says, Oh, that was so good, thank you. They fairly glow with pleasure. We were made to be praised for our good works, both the things we do, as well as our good attitude, our spirit. And if God made us to be praised by our earthly elders, how much more did he make us to be recognized by him? Now, of course, we know that all who are his will achieve the ultimate praise and reward in the next life, but he does not leave us without encouragement in this. Last week, we looked at the introduction of the glorified Christ in the Revelation and his introduction of himself in the letters to the seven churches. Today, we'll look at his commendation of each of the churches, how he introduces them to themselves, (laughs) and how that relates to us. Yes, there are some significant difficulties in five of the seven churches, (laughs) just as there are in our present-day churches. We're not going to let that bother us today. Today, we just want to say, Daddy, 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 (laughs) did you see what I did? And soak in his praise. So we'll start where the Lord started, Ephesus. To the angel of the church in Ephesus write, The words of him who holds the seven stars in his right hand, who walks among the seven golden lampstands, I know your works, your toil, and your patient endurance. Everybody, anybody can work, toil for a little while, but to endure, that's a ticket. Getting our kids to stick to a task is a major part of teaching them to endure. Years ago, when one of our little ones was what is wonderfully called (laughs) strong-willed, Opposed to that was one of the basic rules of our family. If you play with it, you put it away. One evening I got home and this little one had decided he'd had enough of picking things up. His mom, having reached her limit, (laughs) it was left to the dad to finish the training. Shall we say that our little one was uninterested? (laughs) I actually had to squeeze his little hand around each toy, pick the toy up with him attached, walk to the toy box and then make him drop the toy in there. And of course, he quickly figured it out. He wouldn't open his little hands so that he couldn't get a toy to pick it up. So now I'm having to pry open his hand, place it on a toy, hold that in place while I'm transporting his kicking little frame, complete with toy, across the room. Okay. Where he fought like mad to not let go of the toy because he didn't want to be putting it away. And all through this process, dozens of toys, dozens, he's screaming his lungs out, no, 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 no. 
Did you know that explaining to a two-year-old that the energy they're expending in resisting is greater than that which they would consume in just simply doing the requested job? It's, well, pointless. Uh, <laughs> I don't know how many days we went through this routine before he finally grasped the truth. And he began to endure all the way through the job on his own. <sighs> well, that he didn't take as many toys out to play with anymore. <laughs> so, I'm not sure that he endured with patience. Whatever the case with our little one, those in the Ephesian church had learned to not just endure, but to patiently endure. Patience. The quality of being patient as the bearing of provocation, annoyance, misfortune, or pain without complaint, loss of temper, irritation, or the like. Okay, don't know about you, but that for sure is not my natural state. <laughs> but with the Spirit in us, we learn to be patient while we endure. You can be sure our little son, when he did pick up his toys, got plenty of praise for doing so. God, too, will pour praise out on us. This lesson is really important to God. Just a couple of verses down, Jesus says, I know you are enduring patiently and bearing up for my name's sake, and you have not grown weary. When we have the patience of the Spirit, we can bear up for Jesus' name, and he will not fail to praise us for it. And we won't grow so weary when we, that we would stop enduring. And by the way, why, why were they having to endure? <laughs> Let's go back. I know your works, your toil, and your patient endurance, and how you cannot bear with those who are evil, but have tested those who call themselves apostles and are not, and found them to be false. In the church, their very church, there were people who falsely acclaimed to be apostles. Jesus calls them evil. When evil attacks you, especially evil dressed up to look like good, it can wear you down. You're doing your work, getting the job done for Jesus. And someone you think is on your side throws a wrench into the works. So how do you keep... So how did they keep from wearing out with that going on. They tested those who called themselves apostles. They discovered they were false before these apostles were able to hoodwink them. Jesus commends them for not simply accepting that someone who sounds like an apostle, dresses like an apostle, claims to be an apostle, really is an apostle. They found out these people were evil before they let them all the way into the fellowship. That's how you keep from worrying out with these evil people. And Jesus commends them for this. Okay. But is it really all that important? After Jesus gives them some necessary correction, he commends them once again. Yet this you have. You hate the works of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. Hate? Jesus praises them for hating? <laughs> yeah, he does. Not hating the people the Nicolaitans, whoever they were, but hating their works. We hate evil. Really, really hate evil. We should. 
If we understand its nature, we will. And if we do, we'll also understand why Jesus gives praise to the Ephesian church for their hatred of this evil teaching. Let me get, get our, our strong-willed son off the hook. So six years later, he's in the second grade, and he makes a friend who happens to be an African-American. Didn't mean anything to Paul. But unfortunately, did I tell you we had moved to a southern state? Some older, bigger boys decided they'd pick on the black kid. Well, we get a call from the school saying that we'll need to come into the office to pick up our son after school. Turns out that in his burning righteous indignation, he had come to the rescue of his friend, and the two of them had overpowered their four larger schoolmates and, shall we say, physically subdued them. <laughs> Normally, Mr. and Mrs. Henderson, we'd take disciplinary action against all parties in a fight, but in this case, <laughs> what were they saying about our little boy? Yet this you have. You hate the work of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. There are things that we can hate. Uh, things which we must stand against. Not hating the perpetrators, but definitely hating the evil they carry out. This is a war, after all. And our Father in Heaven will echo the praise of His Son when we get this And to the angel of the church in Smyrna, write the words of the first and the last who died and came to life. I know your tribulation and your poverty, but you are rich. I'd like to touch on that introduction, even though we talked about it just last week. Jesus is the one who died and came to life. You see, the troubles that Jesus lists next are not troubles that they made. In fact, he has nothing negative to say about the folks in Smyrna. But their situation is most grave. In fact, he says straightforward that some of them are going to prison and tribulation. In that political system, prison and tribulation were usually a precursor to death. So Jesus says to them, be faithful unto death, and I will give you the crown of life. Only the one who died and came to life can legitimately make a promise like that. But he started by saying, I know your tribulation, your poverty, but you are rich. I think we can say it too many times. <laughs> Wealth is not measured by money or possessions. I love the story of the rich guy who retired at 60. He was walking the beach one day and came across a young man also strolling contentedly along. In talking to him, he discovered he was a young entrepreneur, owned a small local business. But he had worked only six hours that day, taking time off to play on the beach with his kids. They were splashing in the water because of their dad. The man said, what? You only work six hours? How could you possibly expect to build a successful business that way? You have to sacrifice now while you're young so that you can reap the rewards later. Really, what rewards? Well, look at me, the man said. I have the freedom to stroll the beach almost any time I want. You can imagine the young man blinked a few times before he quietly said, Oh, I can do that already. <laughs> I don't want to put down hard work 
to five of the churches, Jesus said, I know your works. But why are we working? If it's only to gain more things, we're fools. James said it right. Listen, my beloved brothers, has not God chosen those who are poor in the world to be rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom which he has promised to those who love him? Rich. Rich in faith. Rich, they'll inherit the kingdom. At the end of the revelation, we find out that the pavement, the cheapest of building materials in this soon-to-come kingdom, we will inherit is gold. That's the cheapest stuff, okay? And then faith, rich in faith. The, the comfort of faith. Isn't that all that long ago I officiated at the funeral of a 45-day-old child? Attending were those who believed and those without faith. faith. If you have it, you know how wonderful this richness is. Our poor brothers and sisters in Smyrna did have it bad. I know your tribulation, your poverty, but you are rich. And the slander of those who say that they are Jews and are not, but are a synagogue of Satan. False teachers are mentioned in five of the seven letters. In the other two letters, those of the churches are accused of propagating false religion. <laughs> That's sad. But the point here is that Jesus knew their troubled situation. You ever seen a child collapse, weeping into their father's arms after going through a tough, tough time? There's just nothing like knowing that your father knows the trouble you've seen. What a richness to fall into his embrace. Nobody knows the trouble I've seen. Nobody knows but Jesus. Jesus truly does know all the trouble we will see. And we can rest in him. Pergamum had a situation similar to Smyrna. And to the angel of the church in Pergamum write, the words of him who has the sharp two-edged sword, I know where you dwell, where Satan's throne is. Now, <laughs> where Satan's throne is. Maybe worse than Las Vegas. <clears throat> Did you know that Satan is directly mentioned in four of these letters? Wow. And this reference is embedded into the praise of Jesus to the church in Pergamum. It'd be a little frightening to realize that Satan's hordes are active all around us. So we need to be aware of another thing the Revelation says about Satan and the true church. And they have conquered him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony, for they love not their lives even unto death. So, does Satan worry us? Didn't worry them. I know where you dwell, where Satan's throne is, yet you hold fast my name. You did not deny my faith, even in the days of Antipas, my faithful witness, who was killed among you where Satan dwells. We, too, conquer Satan by the blood of the Lamb, Jesus, and the word of our testimony, our upholding of the truth of the Scriptures, particularly that Jesus rose from the dead. Antipas, my faithful witness. The very first thing John said about Jesus Christ, the very first thing is that he was a faithful witness. And now Jesus says Antipas, it was his faithful witness. Pretty good compliment. 
being compared to Jesus Christ. We don't know who Antipas was. He's not mentioned anywhere else. The name means against all. (laughs) So maybe it's a nickname for a man who stood for Christ against every person who accosted him, not loving even his own life more than Jesus Christ. Antipas. I kind of wonder if it's maybe the name that Jesus gave to this man when he got to heaven. You stood your ground against everyone. Let's call you against all. Antipas. <laughs> the ultimate test. And Antipas stood tall. He stood tall where Satan dwells. We've already pointed out that Satan is directly mentioned in four of these letters. He's pretty serious about attacking us. But that's for a later talk. Right now, let's sing about how we survive Satan. We were made to be praised. We need to learn to endure, to be patient with people. We must hate evil, remembering not to hate people. But hate false teaching, those who call themselves apostles and are not. We need to be faithful, even if it brings us to death. Do not forget that Christ went through death and holds the keys to death and the grave. Be rich in faith. Especially knowing Satan and his hordes are active around us, we will conquer against all if we hold fast to Jesus' name and do not deny the faith. And now, Jesus praises the church in Thyatira. And to the angel of the church in Thyatira write the words of the Son of God who has eyes like a flame of fire and whose feet are like burnished bronze. I know your works, your love and faith and service and patient endurance. The judge of all things looked at these folks and gave them some wonderful grace. An A in love, an A in faith, an A in service, an A in patient endurance. Wow, what a tremendous ovation to their Christian life. And he goes on, I know your works, your love and faith and service and patient endurance, and that your latter works exceed the first. They're better at this than they were before. And they were pretty good then. You talk about living your life such that people ask you why do you live the life you do. Could they possibly do any better? Well, yes, but that's for our next talk. Right now, (laughs) we want to ask, how much would we like to hear Jesus say, your love, your faith, your service, your patient endurance is off the charts. Do we want to hear it? Love. Remember, love is defined by the scripture is absolute self-sacrifice. Giving your life others. Faith. The knowledge of the Holy One and our absolute trust in Him. That is to say, doing whatever He says. No matter what we desire. No matter what it costs. Service. Jesus Himself came to serve and not to be served. Do we serve others before attending to ourselves? And then there's that Patient endurance. We already talked about it. This is the third time it is mentioned in the Revelation, and Jesus will soon compliment the Philadelphian church for this as well. 
these guys were getting close to perfection in all that we need to practice to be living out our faith. Uh, we need to take everything together in these letters. To every one of the churches, Jesus repeated these words, He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. If we listen to God, we need to hear everything, he says, to all seven churches. To Sardis, he said, and to the angel of the church in Sardis, write the words of him who has the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. I know your works. You have the reputation of being alive. Okay, today we're talking about the praise Jesus gave, so we'll stop right here. <laughs> I'm afraid the bulk of the people of this church were not, in spite of their reputation, alive. This church looked good, but they were dead on the inside. Yet, you have still a few names in Sardis, people who have not soiled their garments, and they will walk with me in white, for they are worthy. If a person is trapped in a church that looks so alive, but he's really dead, they can be encouraged by the words of Jesus. If they have not soiled their garments, they are worthy, he says. When a dad takes time out of his busy schedule to come to his girl's ballet recital, she knows she has worth in her dad's eyes. Standing at the sideline shouting, Good job, son! Good job! will add tremendous worth to any young man. Especially when most of his team, well, kind of stinks. <laughs> to know what Jesus says, I see you fighting to keep clean. I see you asking me again and again to make you clean. Understand that I see you and I want you to know you are worthy of the white garments I've made for you. I will bring you home to be with me and my Father forever. Understand that you, you are of great value to Jesus Christ. He took time in his divine eternal existence to come to this earth for you. And one day, he will take the time to live on a new earth with you. You are of great value to your Heavenly Father and to his Son. But back to the Revelation. Now we get to the good church, the one like that other church about which Jesus Christ points out nothing bad. Smyrna was the first. The other... And to the angel of the church in Philadelphia, right? The words of the Holy One, the true one, who has the key of David, who opens and no one will shut, who shuts and no one opens. I know your works. Behold, I have set before you an open door and no one is able to shut. Is this wonderful or what? I mean, just what tremendous strength, what power, yes? But it's also a curious way to start complimenting someone. You can think of it like this. Your kids had a driver's permit for almost a year, and now they've got their license. Hey, Dad, my friends just text and want to know if we can pick them up on their way to the game. You say, we? You toss in the car keys. You let me take the car all by myself? Sure. I know you. I've watched you drive for a year. I know you'll be careful. I know you'll be home on time, and you won't let your friends or anyone else talk you into doing something you shouldn't. I trust you. I know your works. Behold, I have set before you an open door which no one is able to shut. But Jesus goes on. 
I know that you have but little power. And yet you have kept my word and have not denied my name. Little power? (laughs) What happened to I have set before you an open door which no one is able to shut? (laughs) The truth is, when people look at you, say, there's nothing there. You begin to wonder yourself. What could I do? But you hold on, even in the bitterest of circumstances, and you stand for Jesus, no matter what they say. But it's true, you don't have much power. Jesus has a message for you. I know you think you're nothing. But look at what you've accomplished. You might think it isn't really all that much, but it's all I need from you. You kept my word. You would not deny my name. You are worth all the world to me. And to the angel of the church in Laodicea write, the words of the Amen and the faithful and true witness, the beginning of God's creation, I know your works. We're going to stop and have this discussion later. (laughs) I'm afraid those in Laodicea could not join those to whom Christ was giving praise. Not in any way. Not everyone who uses the name Christian will receive the praise of Jesus. For us, let's recap the wonderful observations of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ. I know your works, your toil, and your patient endurance, and I made you to be praised for that. I know you are bearing up for my name's sake. I know you have not grown weary. I know you cannot bear with those who are evil. I know you hate those evil works. I know your tribulation. I know your poverty, but oh, you are rich. I know you have suffered slander. I did too. I know where you dwell, where Satan's throne is. And even in the midst of that pressure, you hold fast to my name. I know you never denied my faith, even under threat of death. I know your works, your love. I know your faith. I know your service. I know your patient endurance. I know you're doing better and better for me. I know some of you are out there in churches that look so alive but are dead when it comes to true faith. Yet you are worthy. I know. You have not soiled your garments with evil. I know you will walk with me in white. I know your works, and I'm giving you an open door. Nobody can shut what I've opened for you. I know you have only a little power, but that's enough for me, because I know you have kept my word. I know you have not denied my name. I will praise you for these things. I made you so that I can pour out praise on you. Father, We sometimes wonder if you actually see us. (laughs) We know you do. We know that you care for us. I pray that you'd help us to be like these people. Sure, they didn't get everything right. (laughs) And there were in the midst of them some who weren't right at all. But those who took a stand, you. Help us to use what little power that we do have to do at least that. We know that you will praise us for what we do, even though it's you who gives us the strength and the wisdom to do it. Our Heavenly Father, help us to seek to do your will. And help 
us not to forget the words of your Son. Fear not. I'm the first and the last. I'm the living one. I died. And behold, I'm alive forevermore. And I have the keys of death and Hades. We don't have to be afraid. We don't have to be fearful at all. In fact, we have every reason to praise you. And yet, (laughs) incredibly, you've told us that you will shower praise on us for doing what you make us able to do. Wow. Thank you, Father. Thank you that we know we have a Father that loves us. No matter what our earthly Father was like, our real Father, Creator of the entire universe is concerned for us. What an amazing truth. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We hope you've enjoyed this message first heard at Living Hope Church of Westport. Please feel free to worship with us maybe this next Sunday. You can also join us online at southbeachhope.org. We'd appreciate your financial support if that is possible. We are a tiny church in a small town, but at least with the help of Sermon.net, we can share the good news with you and everyone around the world. Hopefully we'll someday be able to worship God together in person, if not in Westport, at least in the rapture.